Hello and welcome to 10 Very Big Books, a Malzahn read-through podcast. My name is Peter Bond. I've read every book in the Malzahn Book of the Fallen, and so has my co-hosts. So have my co-hosts first, uh, my friend and close confidant, India Jones. Hi, hello. My producer, AJ Flaherty. Hello. Do you like this? Am I speaking into the mic enough for you? You know what? I don't give a fuck. It's episode. <laughs> right. This is the this is the like 140th episode of stuff that we've recorded, and for you to start worrying about it now is honestly an insult. <laughs> Last day of school, baby. Um, Joshua Dean Baker, how you doing, buddy? You know, I'm tired, but it's you know we're in the summer. I'm a teacher in the summer, so I'm, I'm not mad about it. Slacker is what I'm hearing. Slacker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Joshua holds his tongue. You caught However, me. I only spent four hours doing work today that I was unpaid for. You're so right, AJ. Thank yeah, finally. Well, um, we should pay teachers less. Am I right? I honestly I'm, think you they know should what? be docked for the summer. <laughs> thank, yeah. you, thank you for yes. your bravery. <laughs> I just want... Someone had to say it. Okay? People had too to good for up. too long. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Those teachers make too I'm much gonna money. I'm going to go fucking kill myself now. Thank <laughs> oh, you. God! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um josh please don't okay. um okay hey everyone we did it we we're back and we're riding high over here but two or three days ago we all convened in uh pennsylvania to record and to do the malazan stream of the fallen where we raised over five thousand dollars for pro literacy the largest adult literacy and education organization in the nation and it was an absolute blast so i just wanted to extend truly from the bottom of my heart a from the bottom of my heart, a huge thank you to everyone who showed up, who watched any part of the stream, who gave any money or told anyone about it. It really was a ton of fun to put together. It was a ton of fun to do. It was a ton of fun to interact with the community that day. And of course, I'm also glad we were able to raise that money. So um, just a big thanks. And I think um, I don't want to speak for my co-hosts. I'm personally very happy with how the stream turned out. I'm actually really upset and I wish that we didn't make any money. Yeah. Like, well, I don't say, did, he <laughs> didn't make any money, AJ. I don't know. I don't I hate to break the news to you. I'm upset because I said that if we hit 5,000, I would read the rest of the Malazan books. And these and then we motherfuckers did. were just so generous that now I have to. Yeah, so it was just a great time. And uh, I will say this, 10 hours, long time. Long time. Long time. For like, I distinctly remember the first time Peter said we were going to do it for 10 hours. My response was, that sounds like a very long time. And Peter was like, no, 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 it's, it's going to be fine. And like hour two of the stream, Peter was like, guys, 10 hours is really long. Why'd we pick 10 hours? <laughs> Okay, and, I didn't say uh, why. We picked 10 because 10's in the name of the show, okay? Yeah, we could have done five. It's half a 10. The V for very is five. See? Wow. Thank you, AJ. <laughs> um, I'm not Roman, so I, I'm sorry to break that news to you. Hindsight wow. is 2020. Uh, yeah. Hindsight's 2020. We should have done a 20-hour. And 20, 20 is double 10. <laughs> sort of understanding is um, we should have just done 20 hours. Yes, 100%. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, everyone. Uh, uh, so back on to the show... Um, this is the next episode after our mega The Crippled God rap, uh, uh, last chapter episode. Yes. As for what's next after our Crippled God read-through, 
we have about three episodes on schedule and then we kind of don't know. Um, so first, uh, we will have th- today's episode, which will be the kind of mailbag wrap up focused on nine and ten. After that, we'll be talking to Steven Erickson about Dust of Dreams and Crippled God, in addition to probably just some questions about the whole series. And then finally, we'll kind of do a wrap up for our read through of the Malzane Book of the Fallen and, and answer questions and talk about the entire series. After that, we're not quite sure what we're going to do. So that's probably all you'll he- hear from us for a while. What, whatever's next, we will post on this and update on this feed. Uh, so don't go anywhere in terms of your subscription. Okay, everyone. So Dust of Dreams, The Crippled God. Yeah. Woo. Two different books. Yeah. Uh, well, debate. Or when you think about it, is it one book, really? It's yeah. one so thing. let me let's start with that question. India, two books or one book? Two books. AJ. Yeah, definitely two books. Josh? I mean, I would argue the whole series is kind of just one continuation, but uh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's it's one story, but definitely two books. Yeah, um, no, if it takes up two spots on my bookshelf, it's two books. Yeah. Okay. I guess I have to take the one book position since I've read on this podcast. Peter, a little Peter, phys- little physician d- over there has all their tools and measurements. This is the story of your life, Peter. You do not need to be different. Yeah, you can just agree else. with all of us. You can just agree. We can all order chicken fingers. It's fine. I didn't even want chicken fingers, AJ. <laughs> I wanted a hamburger. <laughs> you actually pointed them out on the menu from what I remember. <laughs> I don't know um, what this conversation's about. <laughs> well, you sound like a fool right now, Josh. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I mostly agree that it reads to me as two books, and there is this singular story, but I don't know. I, I, it's just weird. It's a weird thing to have it split this way, you know, um, for me. Um, yeah, I mean, but- I think we, we talked a bit about this, um, Pete, when we were going to pick up India, that like... Uh, nine and ten being a continuous story isn't like completely out of the ordinary for the series. Like one and three are continuations of each other, two and four are continuations of each other, but never throughout the ten except for the last two are those directly next to each other. Um, and so I think that is a lot of the reason why, like this conversation of like, is it one book? Is it two? You know, because like you could put the books that are direct sequels to each other directly next to each other, and it would be like the same experience as 9 and 10. Yeah, I, I don't know if I agree with that, only because 9 and 10 are, like, circling the same ideas and themes and, like, the same plot lines, literally, and the release doesn't really happen until 10. Whereas if you put 2 and 4 next to each other, there are different ideas in both. And uh, at the end of 2, you're like, oh, that was a whole story. As opposed to at the end of 9, I do really feel like it's the end of Dune 1. And I'm like, okay... Where's Dune 2? And I'm talking about the Denny Villeneuve films here. I was about um, to say, I, I thought notoriously the sequels to Dune No, no, were no, no. no. Okay. I'd like the, no, I'm not talking about the Frank Herbert books. Um, but you take my point. So I, I, I don't know. I hear what you're saying, that the stories definitely do continue, and it's not unprecedented in this series. But I think the like 1, 3, 2, 4, like, f- those books feel to me more complete packages. Yeah. Where 9, to me, really is the only book in the series that feels like a complete open-ended sentence. Mm. Yeah, I-, I get what you're saying. But I do still think it falls in the category of, like, one story, two books for me. Yeah, I, I agree. Honestly, I said as a bit, we kind of got off on a thing. Um, so let's get into some of the questions. Okay. 
This question comes in from Philotic. Philotic. The combined Dramatis Personae list for these last two books is incredibly long. One might even say very big. Let's improve it by adding a new section. The list of 10 very big books nominated, 910 specific MVPs. This is for characters who stood out specifically because of their actions or developments in these last two books. Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. is in that list? We all get one entry. Let the record show. Wow. Okay. Well, I know Peter's first. It's not even a question. Wow. Fascinated to know what you think it is. Peter's first answer is Ulog Tugtail. <laughs> um, nice. Not who I was going to pick. I'm very curious yeah. to hear India's. One person that was just like the MVP of two books. And they don't have to have been introduced in these two books, right, Peter? Yeah, just someone who really stood out in these last two books. Gotcha. One person that just stood you out. Get you, get you, you get one. You get one. You got to pick one. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Our unsung hero, Tavor. For only her first POV of the whole series. Mm-hmm. That that w- would have been my answer if you didn't pick it, India. Yeah. Cool. It's a tough question. It's really tough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel. Listen, I'll pick someone else, but India, I really agree. I mean, the to the extent that in these last two books, your vision of Tavor comes into focus. And your understanding of her character, her character arc, what she's been going through, her emotions, her interiority, um, it really is a huge change compared to earlier installments of the series. Um, AJ, Josh? I'm I'm still considering the question. It's a very good question. Yeah, I think this was my first instinct, and I think I'm just going to go with it. I think Tool has to be on there. Wow. I think a lot of Tool's storyline centers the themes around these books and around the series i think that i uh, that just feels important to the books but i guess it also depends on what you mean by mvps you know stood out specific yeah i I mean i think i think a lot uh, tool doesn't have a lot of sections in comparison to everybody else but like if you put them all back to back i would say every single tool section is like holy shit for the most part for me tool Uh, has a pretty big story across both books Mm mm-hmm yeah, but I feel like there's there are a bunch of times where we're just like checking in, seeing what tools up to and then moving on in some ways, I don't know. My answer would be I think yet on Derig the watch. That was yeah. Or yeah. pithy and brevity combined. <laughs> um I think I'd go with pithy and brevity combined. I think that would be my answer. Whoa. Yeah. More than the watch. Well, really? my my answer is very similar, Josh. I think if I'm not choosing Tavor, I'm choosing Jan Tovas. Yeah, yeah, Jan yeah. Tovas was on my list. Yeah. Now, are any of these questions about all of that storyline? Because I have thoughts about that storyline that go past it was sick, and they are somewhat negative, and I would like to talk about them at some point. I guess that'd be in the wrap-up. Yeah. Get, get into it. What are you talking about? We got all the time in the world, baby. Well, I was like, oh, well, you know, Jan, you know, Yet and Derek, absolute go, you know, MVP, you know, such an important storyline, because canonically, the Spinak Durov thing after is my favorite thing, maybe of the whole series. And then I was like, wait a minute, why did all that happen? And mm-hmm. I don't know the answer. Like, other than... The Tisty Leosian, and we needed to have another thing that could go wrong or involve all those characters that we'd had spent time. Like, I don't know. They did. I don't really know how that led to the ending of book 10, like what impact it had on the end of book 10. You know what I mean? Yeah. 100% Josh. I know exactly what you mean. Okay. Really, really cool. But leaves me wondering structurally why I think. 
Well, I, f- uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the its place in the larger structure is just like there is stuff happening elsewhere because because I feel like a lot of the stuff tied into around nine and ten, like we're finally seeing the results of like the things that were started in the past, you know, or were like changed in the past. And now we're coming into the future and seeing like, how do we, how do we move on from that stuff or how do we restart from that stuff? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I think it's more so a thematically centered storyline and less so of like a, has a direct narrative impact on the rest of the story storyline. Okay. I get that. Build on AJ's point. I think when I, when we did the live stream and I was talking about, how Dust of Dreams and Crippled God are not some of my most favorite entries in the series. Mm-hmm. I think some of that reason, Josh, that I first really bounced off the book was because of this exact thing is because nine starts and I'm like, okay, so this is like we're doing Tavor. Like we're, we're about the Bone Hunters. But half of that book is about all of these other storylines and they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what is going on? What is all of their relationships? And in the end, there really isn't a relationship. You know, the relationship to a lot of them is thematic, you know. Right. And like, you know, Carcanus is really the only one that ends up being completely off on another island. You know, the snake one does obviously become a big part of that story um, mm-hmm. in Glance. But the Carcanus one is off on an island. So I definitely was like, oh, what? You know, I was asking, like, why is this in here? What's this relationship? And, you know, I do think I can dig into the thematic elements. But, Josh, to your end, I mostly agree with you. And as much as I love the Carcana storyline, I do find the motivation for the Tisti Leosian lacking. And I don't really connect with them. And I don't actually feel that invested in like or have a deep understanding of why they're in conflict with the Andy and what they represent. Mm-hmm. I think that extends as well to the Carabas and Calamandro storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, these are at plot elements that to me detract from my enjoyment of these last two books where I sometimes I feel like the sprawl is so big and I'm like, did we need a dragon that's also ending the world? You know? Yeah, 100%. And I would say after that, I think we've really nailed answering this first question. Should we <laughs> go to the next? <laughs> uh, sorry, just to stay on that for, for another moment. <laughs> I I feel like, uh, not the Carabas stuff, that's a totally different thing. And I do think is narratively connected, like th- things needed to happen in order for the crippled god stuff, Haboric stuff to work. And so we needed the dragon that was ending the world to come out. But with uh, like with the Tisti Leosian, I feel like they are just another mirror of like the Forkerless Sail, who are these kind of like ancient races who are like, well, we've always been fighting and conquesting and we can only continue to do that. And I think, you know, the the Tisti Andy and the uh, Sheikh uh, and then also the, the Bone Hunters and everybody against the Forkerless Sail are like the quote unquote modern world saying, no, there's no place for that anymore or at least not in the way that there used to be. So that that's that's how I feel about those storylines. Mm-hmm. I like them. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, I see the Tistu Yoshin and Four Curls say like as representing different things, 
and to the Carabas and to like I'm ultimately not that bummed out by these things because I think there's a lot of thematic and connective tissue between them. Mm. And ultimately that is enough for me. I don't know if I need a direct cause and effect. Um, between these different story elements but yeah i don't know sometimes there's a lot of story elements in these two books <laughs> there definitely are and, a lot know, of story elements. there's a lot of, and just they keep getting lined up you know yeah mm-hmm. so what do we end up with our list as tavor <laughs> jan tovis yenandereg pithy and brevity Tool. and ulog tugtail and ulog tugtail he's Never the free space it. on the bingo card he has to be there there's uh yeah simply of no course. other choice um all right AJ, this comes in from Gallos, the fallen one. I see that. Did you realize that the reason Badal could stop people with their voice because she was eating the shards of the Forkrill Assail God during the whole journey, hence eaters of diamonds and gems? No, hmm. but I read this question and immediately like fist bumped because that's like really fucking cool. Uh, it's pretty great. Yeah. Was she the only one eating them? I think it's very cool. And to me, it's part of like, the way the snake uh, storyline is like secretly doing world building for the Forkrill Assail the whole time <laughs> yeah. is like such a like stealth and kind of genius way to like slowly flesh out this world, this kingdom, mm-hmm. the effects the Forkrill Assail have had on their peoples. You know, really cool stuff in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Okay. Indy, I'm coming back to you, especially after your earlier comment. This question comes in from Nefarious Croissant. Tavor has been a polarizing character on the pod so far. What's your opinion of her now that you've read all 10 books? I like Tavor. I'm a Tavor head now, I would say. From the beginning, I didn't have much of an opinion. I thought that she was kind of boring, mostly, and a part that I would like to not really pay attention to um, because... I don't know. It was just the same thing every time. And you didn't know what she was thinking. She, I never thought that she was necessarily like doing something bad, but I just got tired of trying to figure it out um, ultimately. So it was kind of, I think, very deserved as the reader to have finally a POV in her of her. And yeah, I liked her a lot. I mean, her last speech like that she gave was really really moving um just seeing her the moments before was really really moving so team tavor as of book 10 aj josh i've always liked tavor and i've been a tavor apologist so i still like tavor i think she's pretty great the uh that last fight with the regulars was uh sick as hell all right, I guess you're going to make me the villain again on the pod. Peter, such you can a just say, you know what, here, I'll do it this time. And you're the- I don't wink. I actually I don't hate wink Tavor now. like Tavor. I like Tavor. I find the story arc effective and moving. However. Oh, my God. However, I think it's safe to say she did kill her sister. And that's just a fact. We're going to hold We gonna hold it over her head for fucking ever? Come on. Everyone's Whoa. done it. Whoa. Well, listen, as much as I as I am, I am serious that I am holding on to the grudge about the Felison murder, you know, which I hold Tavor accountable for. Um, totally. So does she. Well, and me and Tavor are in agreement about that. How do you guys feel about this weird like she has a talent thing? And what do you make of that? Yeah, that was confusing. Um, yeah. Because there's the claw 
and the Talon, right? And the Claw right. is like the the people under the Empress, and then the Talon were the ones that Bowden was. And we knew that like someone had pulled strings to get Bowden to help Felison, and you know he was a, a, a Talon. But like that's all. The, that's eight books ago. You know, I would <laughs> say it really didn't hit that hard because mostly I was just like, is this relevant right now? My reading of that is that she is in some ways in league with Shadow Throne and Cotillion. Because it was Cotillion's yeah. It was Cotillion's assassins, right? Assassins, yes. correct. And that it, it represents that she is in like in some ways loyal to them, you know? Mm-hmm. And like I don't like that idea. You know, I don't know if that's really the the that like true, uh, but that's my understanding of it. So mm-hmm. I feel like it's less of a loyalty thing and more of a cotillion or dancer whenever it happened coming to tavor and being like look you want to make sure your sister's safe help me out and then giving you know enlisting her and then she does something that you know she she begins i don't know whatever fucking thing happens next with tavor i guess whatever happens in house of chains and then in in exchange he sent Bowden to like look after velison i don't know and then I think in the end, I, I do think there is an element of just like wanting to feel like a person again. And that was the only jewelry she had. Yeah. I, I, and that's where it's like, I'm not quite sure how to read that moment. But listen, mm-hmm. ultimately, I obviously like her storyline a lot. And I think her relationship to the soldiers is really beautiful. And I find that very admirable. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if anything, it just it just it, it makes it doesn't make me like her less or her storyline less. It just makes me realize that like. You know, Shadowthorn and Cotillion really had their fingers in all the pies, mm-hmm. you know. And how does that make you feel about their involvement? Uh, I mean, in uh, I guess validating in some ways, because like we knew that kind of this whole thing was their doing. And it, it makes sense for like at least some part of Tavor's uh, expeditions all over the world to also be connected to them somehow. So I'm, you know, it, it just kind of makes sense to me. Josh, uh, this question comes in from Bird Commodore 18. Which character's conclusion affected you the most? Happy or sad? Carabas, Haborik, Sin, Corlat, Kroll, Mel storyline all got me weepy. I could not have been happier for Fiddler. I would say the Corlat one I really agree with. I thought that was a really beautiful ending. Uh, I love the idea of all the bridge burner bone hunters like freaking out when they thought she was going to throw the uh, thing away. Whatever was in that pouch. Was it a stone? Is that right? Little little rock? I forgot. Yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Uh, I thought it was a really, really nice storyline. Blows my mind that this commenter got weepy over sin. We apparently had very different reading experiences. Good for them. That's crazy to me. The Haboric thing really kind of really frustrated me. We'll go over our rankings in a podcast, but uh, the Haboric stuff I talked about on the stream uh, I found profoundly dissatisfying uh, pretty much the whole series after book four. And wow. for him to come <laughs> back and just like exist and have one weird dreamy sequence with the crippled God, I, I didn't think that that was payoff even close to enough for me. So India, your point in, how do you feel about the Havorg stuff? Um, that was, yeah, I, I don't really know. It never really um, felt like I never understood it. And then it became okay. Like for a while, I was like, shit, I need to figure this out. And then it just kind of went away and it became okay that I didn't understand it. And then every now and again, there'd be like a random Jade thing and AJ or Josh would be like, hey, maybe that's... And I'd be like, who? So 
Yeah. No comment. Never understood it. Still don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I feel like I'm always struggling to understand it. So I was never able to, I kind of ended up losing my connection emotionally to that storyline. Um, yeah. You're all fucking wrong. Habork's storyline is good. No, AJ, you could just order chicken nuggets, okay? Yeah, AJ, you, it's okay. You don't have, have to disagree, to agree, Josh. I am on record loving the Habork storyline every single time, and <laughs> it still hit for me at the end. I just felt like Steve was a little too hands-off with it for too long. Uh, hey. Thank you. Jayden. He could have used a bit of a heavier touch. Oh. I, could, I could keep going, but I feel like we have to move on. Uh, AJ, what about you? Which character's conclusion affected you the most, happy or sad? Um, I think, I mean, Yen and Derig's stuff was really sad, but also kind of like really nice to like, oh, I finally see home. Um, I mean, I feel like, okay, it's, I really liked Karsa's conclusion um, because I really like that scene of him with the guy. And then I also like when he summons the big, uh, he summons Fenner. That's, that's sick as shit. Uh, I think that's really cool. But that feels disingenuous to call that a conclusion. Um, that's just like the last time we see Karsa. And that doesn't feel like a conclusion to me. It's just like, well, Karsa did that. And now he's going to go do something else. But you just don't see it. Uh, and so I, I think uh, I think Stormy and Gessler's stuff um, really hit me. And and obviously fiddlers was just chef's kiss so good oh fit love fiddler all right uh india coming to you this question comes in from fid the other we've been following cotillion for a long time now he's a god character that has developed quite a bit in comparison to other deity figures how does everyone feel about him at the end of this series and how do you feel about his assassination of the crippled god developed how like character wise like, we just learn more? Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, he was like, I'm going to take over the body of this little girl. That'll be fine. And then immediately is like, ooh, actually, this is kind of a shitty thing to do. Um, and then with, the, like, Lestariel shadow dancing stuff, and he's like, I'm not going to do that anymore. You know, that that stuff, I think. I don't. Interesting. I don't yeah, agree. I, I'm with India, kind of. I don't think he's okay. developing so much as, like, I mean, in the grand scheme of gods, he's only been in god for, like, fucking 20 years or something, you know? Right. Like, it's not developing so much as he just tried something once and then went, ugh, wrong choice. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that he made the... He made the choice in the beginning. I don't think it was, like, an experiment. He's like, this is the only way to do this thing. And then when he did it, he was like, ah, actually, maybe there is a different way to do this. I would say that's... That is I'll say like, that's definitely much more growth than almost any other character that's a god has. Sure. I guess Although I, question. I do think there are gods. I kind of is the right. question, I guess. I don't really know. That literally is the question. Yeah. There's there's some gods that like <laughs> I think develop in bad ways more than Cotillion develops in any way. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, the errant just the gets errant, worse and worse. The, exactly. The errant, Sickle, Laugh, the, the two of them just kind of like go off the deep end in the last two books. Like, right. The errant it, is truly one of the characters that has almost no redeeming qualities. Yeah. And I, what, <laughs> yeah. What, what, I, what I dislike about the errant is that like, like we're I'm talking about Cotillion, you know, only being alive for 20, you know, only being a god for 20 years. Like the errant's been alive for thousands of years as a god. You know, you would think the dude would move a little bit more measured pace. And then in like, you know, <laughs> book, what is it? Book seven just like absolutely goes off the deep end. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you can move. In, we're just seeing him at the end of moving at a measured pace. Like 
this has been thousands of years of lead up and we are just seeing the breaking point. I, I would argue not, though, AJ, because in book four he or book uh, five, he's explicitly just being a fuckboy like and is very cool with it and has no plans for further world domination. Yeah. yeah. Uh, listen. To, to, yeah, but there's always going to be like in five in in, in three years, I'm going to go nuts. You know what you I mean? Know, like there's no, always going to be. I disagree. I do not think he had a plan that within five years he would release the end of the world in order to wipe humanity from existence. But I don't think he had that sometimes, plan. Sometimes Josh, not everyone has a five years plan. Okay. That's and true. maybe maybe <laughs> your five year plan might be that you're going to unleash Karabas in the next five years. You don't know. I, yeah. It's true. I feel like there's like a end of the world Karabas Oppenheimer joke I can get, but I, I think I'm too dumb mm. to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, Oppenheimer. Karabenheimer. Yeah. Keep going. Do not do not pay attention to that. <laughs> I will just say um, to me, I end up feeling very queasy about Cotillion and Shadow Throne and their whole involvement um, because I guess ultimately, and maybe this is a reason to read Path to Ascendancy. I, I am. I'm always intrigued by this idea that Cotillion feels like he like lost touch with some element of his humanity when he ascended and you can see he clearly feels like a shell of his former self that's mm-hmm. my reading of it but who doesn't you know to me i guess my understanding of his life is also one of brutal conquest and domination you know right. like listen i, I i'm a longtime foe to the malazan empire and my basic understanding of his mortal life is that he was a military commander for decades and oversaw the conquest of various lands. Do you know what I mean? And was an assassin, you know? So I'm curious to him what the change in his humanity really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it, it probably has something to do with like, you know, Dancer and Keleved's plan was to like, we do all this stuff and then we can become gods and that'll be great because when we're gods, we can do whatever we want. But I think for Cotillion, it's like, oh, actually becoming a god and being able to do whatever I want actually kind of sucks. Yeah, I think uh, it is a dissatisfaction with a power they have accrued. Yeah, yeah. But like, I don't know, like, why then? You yeah. I mean, I don't know. But listen, that how it that is how it is sometimes. People just get to some point of power and... I want to say, uh, to answer the other half of that question, I was left very disillusioned with the killing of the crippled god, and I, mm-hmm. st- look, I yeah, know- Yeah, the whole pod was confused. I was all set. Everyone else was like, what was that? I yeah. I know that there are people who have written out exactly what the long con is. I am not interested in reading that. Um, <laughs> if I ever decide to reread these books, I hope I'll understand what this endgame was better. Pete, could you speak to that at all? Like, did you feel like you could see Shadow Throne and Cotillion's puzzle pieces as we were going through? Um, definitely more. The second time? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And it also is like, you're aware that they are masterminding the scheme, so to speak, you right. know? Well, isn't that the case always? Didn't we always say that? And I know there's like a question to as, are they actually masterminding it or are they just putting on the front that they are masterminding it, you know? Mm-hmm, but yeah. I think there are inarguably various hard actions they take that have serious influence over the course of the series and specifically the air quotes assassination of the crippled god. Hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. 
ultimately it does feel like they win in some ways, which doesn't sit well with me because I don't particularly like either of those characters. Yeah. Even if them winning is them saving the world in a way. Well, I wouldn't say in a way. I would say it is them saving the world. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and I guess like did did they have some sort of gift of divine knowledge that they were like, oh, the crippled god is here and here is exactly what's happening. And if we don't do something about it, the world is going to end because of that. Yeah. So that's no, I don't know if we know much. We don't really know much about their motivations is my understanding. Sure. And and to the extent that we know any of their motivations, it comes through Cotillion, who, who is right. much more readable to us as the reader than Shadow Throne, who's always just like. Kane, 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 whoop, whoop, whoop. Kane, Kane, Kane. Cackle, cackle, cackle. Yeah, yeah. All right, we we have been going through. Um, I just want to shout out what, two quick questions before we kind of get to our wrap up thoughts. Um, first, Drex, Drex Trouser asked me how it was, uh, how much I enjoyed it, the series, the second time around, and how much of an ending the surprise was. And I'll just, I'll just respond. The ending surprised me in a ton of different ways the second time around. There was stuff I really, stuff I really remembered, but lots of stuff like essentially the whole Gruntle ending. I had completely mind warped, you know. Um, and there's just a lots of other parts. Like I had forgotten how Carabas got wrapped up. I had forgotten some of these other elements. You know, I feel like just specific scenes like the like how Tavor and the Marines and, and the, the 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 normals what the regulars um and the Carsa stuff that stood out um but other stuff I think was gone in a wash last and uh Josh this is a question we touched on a little bit on the live stream but mm -hmm. here's it from you and from Fusion the books are famous for their huge cast and no characters present in all 10 books with that said, who do you see as the main character? Some say Fiddler Tavor, and I think those are good answers. Others lean towards Kamensad, but I can also think you can make an argument for Cotillion. He goes from a fairly callous god to being far too human for his own good by the end. Yeah, we, we definitely talked about this on the uh, live stream, and I, I personally lean towards Fiddler. Uh, I think he is a huge through line through both the bridge burners who start as what the closest thing you could call two protagonists. And then he's the only through line from them really into the bone hunters who clearly are the protagonists at the end of the series. I think Tavor is a good answer, but I just don't think I just, I find it hard to have a protagonist whose head you don't get into until like the very end of the book, you know? And that's somewhat how I feel about the idea of Cotillion main character. But yeah, um, I like the idea. It's an interesting idea to view the lens through the series through his. Yeah, I will story. say I, I find it very interesting. This book more than others. It's like when I think of a protagonist, I think of oh, nine times out of ten. I think of uh, the person who has most, you know, directly impact, like influenced and impacted the story through their actions. There, I would say Tavor is 100% a better fit than for Fiddler, but I've never had a scenario where like that person is also inscrutable and all unable to ever be inside their heads, you know? Yeah. All right, everyone. Thank you for writing in with questions. We only had time to answer some, but we appreciate it, everyone who wrote in. Uh, we also had the chance to talk to a lot of people on live stream. So I'm not going to lie. I think all three of four of us are still probably feeling a little pooped from the live stream. Um, I feel fine. Don't uh, speak for me. Uh, I will say live streams, all 10 hours of it up on our YouTube channel. You should go check it out. Lots of great yeah. conversations up there. I would say uh, your best times to watch probably hour two, hour 10 gets a little loopy. Um, okay. Hour seven, AJ goes topless and really don't know how we didn't get demonetized. So 
I put a well, box. Well, we weren't monetized to begin with, so I, I that's how. I put a box what? on my head in the stream. <laughs> so Peter if you did see a box on the head. Uh, the Family um, Feud's really good. That's how Lupia got. Yeah, we played Family Feud. All right, let's uh, let's wrap this show up. So moving into our final kind of book wrap up, India Jones. Ultimately, when you look back on the series, where do you situate book nine slash ten? Dust of Dreams, The Crippled God. I think they're solid, solid middle of the pack. I think that there's like probably a little bit more clout for The Crippled God because it was the last one. But overall, good books. Would I read them again? Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe. So maybe. Yeah, don't don't count her out yet. Don't count. Honestly, a second read through might be um, actually not bad. Watch what you say, Inge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> India, let me ask you a follow-up question before I move on. Would you say you were satisfied with the ending? Yeah. I mean, I would say, yes, I would say it, it was wrapped up. Some things weren't, but I don't remember them anyway. So, yeah, I think it was it was definitely an ending of a book series. <laughs> it was it was an ending. You can't. The books are over. Yes, you can definitely say it was an ending. Um. OK, Josh, coming to you. I'll say uh, what I said on the stream. This, I think AJ is the one who first said it. The fact that this is a three million word yeah. piece of of literature, and I left the ending going, "Hell yeah, sick!" It's a pretty good, you know, pretty good ending. And were you satisfied? Uh, I think they were good. I, I, yeah, I think they were good. I don't know. I'm, dude, I'm an opinion out. I we talked so in depth on this two days ago. That's true. I, I will stress, you can catch the live stream. We really got into it. But time to come to the least tired co-host. That's right, like a mountain on the call. AJ Aww. Faleri. Yeah, I, I was satisfied, I would say, um, with the ending. Just to do, go reverse order, I guess. Uh, I was satisfied. But I did have the crippled god pretty middle of the pack, like India said. Um, and I think a lot of that is just because I like you finish the book and then it's like, cool, it's over, whatever. Here's what I thought about the book. And then you start thinking about other storylines that weren't necessarily wrapped up or not. Not that they weren't wrapped up. I don't know. I, I guess they were just like storylines that when like I liked I was satisfied with the way they ended. Barathol and Scalara, for example, I was ex I was satisfied with the way they ended. But I wish that there was a way for me to know yes. that I sh didn't have to be waiting for them to pop back up. And and it, AJ, this is why I put Toll the Hounds where I put it was like things like that where there, I, that book had a lot of storylines that felt so imperative and necessary. And then they ended. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, I don't know. It, it was just like a really interesting feeling of like. I don't know, expecting there to be like a, a, everybody gets their button, but and maybe they did get their button. I don't fully remember where they left off, but like they got their button two or three books ago and I wasn't like you didn't know that that was your last time with them. Right. Yeah. I didn't process it as an ending. I processed it as a well, we'll see them when we actually do see their ending, you know, um, or we'll see them do something else. So I would say that's probably the only thing that I was unsatisfied with 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 the crippled god or with the ending of the, the series. But like in general, I really enjoyed the whole story of nine and ten. 
Uh, and like I said on the stream, I am a, a, a slut for lore. Uh, so I really, really love Dust of Dreams for all that. Um, slut for lore? It's really good. Yeah. Really good. Well, AJ, I'll echo one element of your sentiment and then talk to part, parts of the ending I do like and really appreciate it my second time through. I think more than the elements, because I'm not actually that bothered by the fact that you don't see Barathal Scalar or these, these characters that are left in these other books. Yeah, I, I just just to clarify, I wasn't bothered I, I think you're not bothered. by it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, you sound but, pissed. AJ is feuding. I'm not there. bothered. I am peeved. But more, I think about a character like Bottle, who ostensibly is in the mix of it, a bone hunter, one of, and this character we've gone, gone with the whole time, but essentially is a character who kind of starts and then kind of just goes nowhere, in my opinion. You yeah, know? Sure. really vanished in book nine and ten. Book ten especially. Yeah, and, and some part of me can't help but feel a little let down by that, you know? Because mm -hmm. to me, I contrast Bottle with someone like Barathal and Scalara, who I feel do have a really kind of satisfying and beautiful ending. Totally. And I'm like, okay, well, what was that about, you know? Well, and just sometimes I feel like the sprawl of the plot is so big that it is unsatisfying for me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, Did we ever get conclusions with all the, like, Eris All stuff with Bottle? Um, no, that's, no, whatever you learned in like book six or so is pretty much all you ever learned. That's um, wild. Cool. That's wild. Cool, cool, um, cool. But Whoa. I think on the counterpoint to me, what I think I really love about this ending and what really boisters it and like kind of seals it as like, I think a really strong ending to the series, even though I, I don't know if I really connect with its execution is like. To me, the vision of the ending is so compelling, and I so mm. love the idea of what it's trying to accomplish, you know, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. find it so kind of audacious and inspiring and creative and exciting, you know, that I'm definitely drawn into that and find it to be such a compelling idea and story that I do ultimately jive with it. And a lot of the storylines really, really work for me. But it is really big, and sometimes the size just overtakes me, and I feel like I'm kind of drowning in it, you know? Mm. Um, mm. just with the sheer amount of characters and storylines. Um, but I I agree. I think they're, although I think I ranked both of these pretty low when we had to rank the books. You on did. Stream, yeah, you were very harsh. I wasn't harsh. I just, um, so this is putting an end to our Dust of Dreams Crippled God season. Um, listen, we read the last two books. We hope you enjoyed it. And before we wrap things up, uh, just two quick things. First, please send us in an email or a message on discord. We're going to be recording the kind of for now, last episode about yeah. um, the entire series and our experience of uh, reading through and making this podcast. So send in any questions you want. Yeah. We'll, we'll reopen the mailbag channel as a series wrap up mailbag. Um, so keep an eye on the discord, keep an eye on our Twitter uh, for that. That'll be open for about uh I guess at the time this episode comes out, like a week and a half. You know, something like that. And then last, I want to say, if you have not had the chance to check out the awesome album art, uh, episode art that we have done yeah. this season by Scout at Humble Goat, uh, really incredible work. It was really, uh, she worked with Dan Gezrick, our normal artist, and is really an awesome project to collaborate with. So we really would encourage you to check out the episode art. Um, really cool Malazan art. She did a great job. And 
Um, we have some cool art this week, which will become our kind of new show art in a way. The series art. Yeah, yeah this is our series art. So we hope you uh, enjoy it. Um, we're very happy and proud of it. So, um, yeah. Okay, everyone. Um, we're all exhausted here. We're going to go to bed. Um, is, is there anything else you want to say about I'm not Dreams tired. Stop telling people I'm tired. Oh, my God. <laughs> AJ's fucking wide awake. I'm fucking amped, man. And they're staying on the call. Okay, they're going to sit here for hours. We're going to say goodbye, up. and AJ's going to stay on mic. Okay. It's kind of a threatening energy if I lean forward on the couch here. It, it is a threatening energy when you lean forward like that. Uh, here, let me try. I will not hang up. <laughs> not hang up. I'm going to hang up. <laughs> Maybe I just stand up and start pacing. Anyway. Cool. Thank you for listening. What else um, do we have? <laughs> this is about as threatening of this energy I can get. Ooh, arms crossed. The arms Scary. crossed made wow. it way less threatening. Eek. Oh, you're Someone's a angry. little schoolgirl. Someone's girl. a little bit angry over there. Those are some angry arms. I'm glad we're ending off this season by by doing a visual bit. <laughs> Would you have it any other way, AJ? AJ, that's what years of podcasting teaches you. Okay, yeah. yes. years. Yeah. Um, okay, everyone. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, when I say come, you say passion. Come. Passion. All right. Are we, are we ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Tell me what it is, what it does, what it is, what it isn't. Ooh. Okay. All right. Ooh, can you keep going, AJ? Looking for a better way to get up out of bed instead of getting on the internet and checking the head again up. I used to love Macklemore. <laughs> I was like, I don't, I had no idea what you were doing. AJ, keep that in the pot. Yeah. Keep that in the pot. 100% uh, in the pot. Wrapping up the show, but you got to keep that in the legacy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, here we go. Three, two, one.